Well, could inflation have peaked? Could the worst of the supply chain disruption be over? Could the fuel crisis be limited to Europe and its reliance on Russia? Could that turnaround really all happen in one day? Well, of course not, but there were some encouraging signs in the data, so we'll look at that today. Are we back on track, heading for the sunny uplands of a post-COVID world? Except keep your mask on, of course. It's Friday, the 15th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is lower again today, ever so slightly. It's up, uh, though, 0.4% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie doing well as well, almost half percent up, uh, over 74 US cents now. The pound is up 0.2%. Not a lot else in terms of currency moves. In fact, the, the most of the movement's been in the stock market in the US, which got off to a roaring start. The Dow over 1.5% up. The S&P 500 has gained 1.6%. The Nasdaq up 1.7%. Tech, utilities and banks all doing well. Shares up in Europe too. The Eurostoxx 50 gained 1.6%, whilst European bond yields are down quite a bit. Six basis points off uh, German 10-year bonds. Similar drops in yields across most uh, European countries, but less going on in the US. 10-year Treasury yields down two basis points lower at 1.52%. Maybe yesterday's inflation numbers stopped it flip- slipping further. And Aussie 10-year yields are down six basis points to 1.62%. So it looks like that 1.74% that we saw earlier in the week is, is the peak for now. And oil is back on the rise. Brent and WTI both over 1%. Gas prices still rising. Where will that end? Uh, well, Gavin Friend is here today from NAB in London. It seems like, Gavin, that um, we, we've seen a, a very positive day, obviously, for equities. Investors not concerned about bond tapering. Normally, that would hurt stocks, of course. Uh, but maybe there's just too much good news today to worry about that sort of thing. Yeah, morning, Phil. Yeah, I think there's a few things going on, isn't there? So I think, um, you know, to the point about uh, stocks rallying and markets being fairly risk-seeking today, um, we have had some positive earnings. Um, So bank stocks in particular have done well. They're up on the day, despite a 40% year-to-date gain in that sector. This after Citi, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Bank of America all reported, you know, stronger outcomes. U.S., uh, weekly jobless claims uh, were lower. They fell to 293 from 329. So we cracked below, solidly below the 300 line. So that's a new post-pandemic low. And that 329 was a revision downwards, wasn't it, from 351? So so actually, that that's given us two weeks with the number falling. Uh, so we're sort of back on track. Here. Well, yeah, I mean, the trend is, here is clearly downwards. But um, I think most observers mm. would say not at this pace. You know, it, it'll it'll... It'll go back up again, but the, the trend will remain downwards. Um, that you talked about uh, producer prices. So, well, we've got a list, haven't we? There's, I mean, there's, I mean, the, the list of good news is those jobless claims. It's the earnings reports that you've talked about. US PPI is good. China's inflation's a little bit mixed. Oil reserves on the United Sta- in the United States are up as well. So, th- there's the good news. Let's tick that list off. Let's look at <laughs> let's look at US PPI because that's down, isn't it, to 0.2 percent from uh, what was it? Uh, what was it last time? Quite a bit more than that. 0.5, yeah, 0.6 actually on the call rate. Um, yeah. that's, you, that's what you're quoting there. Um, so the headline was boosted a little bit by um, a jump in food prices, but the, the, the core rate is where the focus has been. And that's really got to be a bit careful here because it looks like it may have been a sort of a temporary plunge in airline fares. And I think going forward, there is a risk mm. that we start to push up a little bit again on these and things like secondhand car prices because 
of the uh, problems and semiconductors and, you know, the plunging new auto sales because just, there's no inventory there. Um, you'd got, you, we've already seen this in the secondhand, secondhand auction prices are going back up again because people just can't get cars. So we've got to be careful with these that actually we might see some pickups here again in the coming months on that. But you know, until we see that, you know, that's the way it is. The other thing I would point out is um, that's, that's quite positive on the day, I guess, is just not to overlook the assistance of lower bond yields. So bond yields have been climbing and climbing and climbing because we've had these rises in inflation driven by the supply chain, driven by the energy uh, crunch that's going on in Europe in particular. Um, it's pulled up break-evens or inflation expectations. It's pulled up nominal yields. And we had a bit of a that yesterday or the day before, actually, and things have started rolling, almost like something cracked. And we're starting to see curves rolling over. In other words, that's where you're still upwardly sloping, but your longer term yields are really starting to come down now. We've not gone negative. Curves have not inverted. But in the US, for instance, you know, we peaked at, uh, you know, um, well over 200 basis points earlier in the year and now on the five year, 30 year. But we're now down below 100 basis points. If you look at the UK, we've really crunched down, down to just less than 25 basis points so we're almost at the point of of, of the uh, 10 to 30 curve in the uk inverting that's worse there i you know be, arguably because of the more severe crunch the uk uh, finds itself in uh, at the moment yeah so i mean generally though the, i mean a bit more positive uh, spirit isn't there around today even though i mean still supply constraints we've still got the issue nobody knows when supply chains are going to be back in order and then obviously in europe we've got that uh, that energy crisis which is ongoing and look even if they were to uh, give approval for uh, the russians to open up their new pipeline there's still an issue about supply uh, because i mean they they have to vladimir putin has got to serve his domestic market as well you know is there enough gas to supply that and europe at the same time well it well, that's part of the reason, I think, why he's not been pumping so much through Nord Stream 1. The excuse has been, or the, the, the story has been, that he was making sure that he's gotten enough domestic supplies. Um, so I think that's probably, you, you can probably assume that that is the case. The other thing, of course, is central banks continue to remove the punch bowl when there's you know, all this discussion, because they're being forced to, because of, in part, these, these higher energy prices. And so it's, you know, cost push inflation. It's not a pretty picture. Um, you know, what we might say is the good news is on COVID, you know, advanced economies are moving towards escape velocity in terms of their, um, their, their vaccination programs and demand for EVs, demand for renewable, you know, energy in terms of your home heating systems and those kinds of things. That's going to be long term. It's just that we've got a lot of short term headwinds. Yeah, uh, it could have happened any time, actually, couldn't it? It's just a coincidence. It's happening yeah. uh, around uh, the, you know, the end of COVID. Uh, just on uh, governments and central banks removing the punch bowl, central banks in particular, and the idea that, you know, we're going to see tapering coming from the Fed. Uh, there's some talk now. So the CEO of Morgan Stanley was on Bloomberg earlier on saying that, uh, you know, money is too free and available right now. The Fed needs to prick the bubble a little bit. He's talking about, of course, pushing up rates. And we're hearing more people saying that. So could that actually happen sooner uh, in the United States than we're expecting, do you think? Um, 
uh, you know, it's clear that the Fed is going to is going to move to the taper, whether that comes in November or, or it, certainly they're going to announce it at the November third meeting. But are they going to you know start it in November or December? Wait to see. I don't think markets really care. For, for other central banks, some of them are already going. Of course, we know this. We know the Bank of England is in a particular bind on this at the moment. The ECB is straddling the argument. It clearly won't be moving on rates anytime soon, and nor will you know. For the moment, let's remember the Fed is saying there is no link, no direct link between a taper and a rate rise um you know but as time goes on if we start to see perhaps at the december meeting you know the balance of risks where the dot points move to uh, a consensus for rate hikes uh next year well then that will change but for the moment the fed is not going there the fed is saying this is temporary and until and if the fed changes you're going to have a big chunk of the market that says, yeah, we, we stand with you on this. Um, we need to see. So it's very difficult because you need, you, you know, why would you change just because you've got not, you've not got evidence to support your view, but you don't have evidence to support that you're not right. It's, it's time. You know, it could be spring next year, middle of next year, things we might have a run of numbers that actually show we're moving that way and that might be enough. But of so course. On supply chains, uh, China's uh, inflation numbers are a little bit confusing, aren't they? Because on the one side, uh, the inflation rate for uh, for September flatlined uh, in parts of uh, Europe, actually, like France and Italy. Inflation actually fell month on month, didn't it? Uh, we've, we saw overnight. But if we go going back to China, their PPI was higher, 10.7% year on year, which is uh, a record high. So <laughs> that looks like a lot of margin squeeze going on in China. It certainly is. So the, the, the driver of the surge in input costs is um, global and domestic energy prices. That's what's driving that up. And, um, yeah. you know, remember, we've had this conversation about China saying, go out, secure energy at whatever the cost. That's going to continue. Um, on the other side to the squeeze, CPI down at 0.7 percent, um, not helped by um declining pork prices, they're down sort of 47% year on year. Uh, and weak domestic demand, of course, because we're coming out of that sort of um, that, that delta period. So you'd expect on that side, the sort of domestic side, now we're coming out of that, the numbers to sort of you know, domestic demand to pick up a little bit. Um, but certainly is, it's a squeeze on margins and a squeeze on, on, on corporate profits thereby. So on the energy story, so obviously, yeah, gas is a big issue in Europe. Uh, US oil stock, stocks, though, back on the rise. The EIA reporting an extra 6 million barrels there last week, even though oil imports are down and and i think the number of, of the own rigs is starting to increase because that's the benefit of higher prices of course it helps the domestic industry yeah demand demand destruction creates that but you know let's not forget we're in an environment where the world including the us is moving towards renewables it's weaning itself off of fossil fuels and so there hasn't been that uh, that 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 sort of investment drive that push that you would ordinarily have expected when you're seeing, you know, conditions in energy markets that you are seeing at the moment. And so we need to be a little bit careful about that. And let's not forget the US is already, you know, if you look at Henry Hub and some of the other regional gas hubs, you know, gas prices have more than doubled because of the pull from Europe and the rest of the world. Um, and the US, you know, the Biden administration faces uh, midterm elections next year doesn't want to see domestic energy prices rising and that's an, an economic uh, sorry so that's a uh, that's a that's a given vote loser and so that's why the energy part department has been talking about do they release um you know uh oil from the strategic oil reserve do they uh put a cap on exports of, of oil or uh, or that gas uh, or, or sorry on uh, on lng so um you know i think those those options are still open so i think today's numbers 
obviously in the right direction a bit of relief there but I don't think this story is far yeah. from over Alright so uh, on the home front in Australia uh, we had the job numbers yesterday they weren't too bad considering the circumstance actually it's interesting how the jobs lost have largely been part time jobs 164,000 down compared to a rise of 26.7,000 or 26,700 full time jobs so full time workers seem to be ca- have been carried through it's the casual workforce feeling the hit which obviously has been the experience of the world over isn't it yeah that's right um i mean if you look at um you know so this is the second month where we've seen a pretty sizable um hit to job creation 138,000 jobs lost 146,000 uh, in the prior month in august as the as the lockdowns in in New South Wales, Victoria and ACT have weighed on that labour market. The unemployment rate rose just a tenth to 4.6%, below the consensus of 4.8%, as the participation rate fell some, what, 0.7 percentage points to 64.5%. So if you strip out the uh, participation effect for, you know, those working zero hours, uh, you get a jobless rate that's actually, you know, a lot higher at 7.8%. It's probably more realistic. Um, but, you know, with, with New South Wales already, of course, you know, embarking on its um, first stages of reopening earlier this week and ACT and uh, Victoria following, expected to follow, this is all pretty much, you know, rear view mirror stuff. Um, j- job advertising in New South Wales rose nearly 21% in September ahead of the reopening. Um, that was according to the SEEK data. And as, you know, NAB reported in its um, September business survey out earlier this week, business confidence is surging. I mean, it rose sharply up 18 points. So we'll likely have to wait until the November data to see a solid improvement, though, in the official ABS numbers, given that the, the next one we get in October will be will only capture part of the reopening. So Yes, so don't expect um, too know. much, basically. Yeah. And uh, US retail sales, uh, those numbers today, will they be big? I mean, if we take cars out of the equation, they were quite strong in August, weren't they? They were up 1.8%. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the consensus is um, looking for um, actually a, a decline on the month from the headline of 0.2%, but ex-autos to your point, up 0.5 from that strong 1.8 number. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be the next important bit, really. So why the drop in September? Why, why is the growth slowing? Just because of this supply chain disruption? Yeah, it's partly that. It's partly also because, you know, there were some um, assistance fiscally. That's, you know, it's easing off now. Oh, no. You know, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the sort of some of the furlough schemes and some of the, the assistance from the government um, has now ended. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of consumers are back on what they've got, really. They've got they've got money put by, but um, when they're heading yeah. into what they're heading into with energy costs they're and the rest of it. it. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Save it for a rainy day and all that. And why wouldn't they? Uh, good to talk, Gavin. Uh, we'll catch you again next week sometime. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Cheers, Phil. And that's how it is this Friday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again after the weekend. See you on Monday morning. Have a great weekend when you get to it. Thanks for listening.